this morning. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Welcome to the family with Hackmaster, Ralph Toby Basher, MD. Co-host, Catherine Brandt. And Andy Brand Bernard. We'll be right back, kick things off with the family. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer for <laughs> He just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. Tom here for my friends at Walzer Automotive Group with some exciting news. Walzer is rolling out Walzer Care on new and most used cars they sell in Minnesota. Well, Walzer Care is a powertrain warranty with coverage for 10 years or 150,000 miles. Powertrain coverage is like major medical coverage for your car. Engines, transmissions, all the really expensive stuff is covered. In addition, Walzer Care includes 24-hour roadside assistance. Lock your keys in your car, run out of gas, have a flat tire. Guess what? Walzer has your back. The best thing about Walzer Care, it's free with purchase. That's right, I said free. So, if you're shopping for a new or used Subaru, Honda, Nissan, Mazda, Toyota, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, Hyundai, or Chevrolet, see my friends at Walzer and get Walzer Care for free. Start me up. What? Oh, so you're in a better mood? Things went well on the morning show, I'm guessing? No, the morning show was fine, except for, like I said, uh, well, let me run this by you guys, see if you wouldn't be frustrated as well. Frustrated. So on Friday, I had to say psychotic. Would you be psychotic over this? What? What? Um, So anyway, so on Friday, I'm dealing with a couple of corporate people that just don't do their job. They don't check their work. They don't do their job. They just don't do that stuff. So all day last Friday, I was dealing with their F-ups and their mistakes. The whole day on Friday, I had to deal with that. Right? So it's supposed to be my time away from the company. But anyway, I dealt with that all all Friday. So then they, they deliver my wife's birthday present yesterday. But didn't bother to tell us that they had delivered it. Didn't knock on the door. Didn't ring the bell. As a matter of fact, I had <coughs> checked online just that day, and they said it wasn't going to be delivered for another at least week or two. A week <laughs> or two. But then it showed up that night. Yeah, no email, nothing. Uh, he did not, or they did not bring the box up to be under the covered area, because it was drizzling a little bit yesterday, if you remember. Not a lot, but a little didn't bother to bring it up by the front door and just set it there. They left it in the driveway. So I'm dealing with that. And I just said, why don't people finish their work anymore? I just went through this on Friday. I then sit down, and I'm going to watch Twins Classics, your Minnesota Twins. I want to watch a little baseball. Yeah. Right? Tis the season. <clears throat> Tis the season. But uh, they, they ran the 1980, October 14th. 1987. I think it was Game Six of the World Series. I believe that's 
the one, the Minnesota Twins and the St. Louis Cardinals. Right? So I'm going to watch it. Kirby Puckett, Kent Herbeck, Tim Laudner, Roy Smalley, Gary Gaetti. The great team. All the great team. You know, Bernanski, that a-hole. But anyway, <laughs> moving forward from there, I look at the descriptor. Now, this is an international show uh, because digital goes around the world. You can watch Hulu in any country in the world, can't you, pretty much? Well, probably not China. I don't know. They have their they own have a Hulu version. Probably. <laughs> They've got the Huawei way or whatever it's called. Huawei. Way, way. Huawei? Yeah. Huawei, that's what it, what's called. Well, that's something else, but yeah. So I'm just, finally I can just watch a Twins game and not be annoyed by somebody else's incompetence for once. I turn on the screen and it says, Twins Classics, October 14th, 1987, the World Series between the St. Louis. This is on Twins Classics now, remember. The 1987 World Series between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> now, first of all, um, check your work. You put up the wrong team. Uh, check your work twice because both those teams, the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers, are National League baseball teams. It is not possible for them to play in the World Series because they're both National League teams. Why don't people ever check their work anymore? Why? Okay, so you have been complaining about this forever, violently for like at least ten years. So yeah, at least yes. I guess what it is—it's just the new normal, and you're just going to either have to deal with it or be constantly angry. Which is better for your health? We need to bring back consequences. And where? If you deliver the thing and dump it in my driveway and then I see you, I get to punch you right in the goddamn nose. Isn't going to happen. Why not? You're so unreasonable, Catherine. (laughs) Yeah, Catherine. Because you're going to end up in jail and and it will be the poor, downtrodden delivery driver that, you know. How how many times do I have to say this? Tom, you're a saint for living with us. An absolute saint. I'm trying to keep him out of jail, okay? <laughs> oh, oh, your altruism. Oh, your altruism <laughs> <Yeah>. underwhelms me. <laughs> trying altruism to keep underwhelms him. me. And out of the psycho house because uh, he seriously was pissed off about it for three hours. Really I would be too. Me. Well, that's well, a long were... time to hold on to. They could have stolen that... your birthday present easily I looked and up... he did nothing to prevent that. Well, that's not true because if I never got the package, I wouldn't. I would not pay. I would figure. I would fight it through my credit card company or something. I mean, something, it, it was yeah. through Costco, so Costco should stand behind their delivery people. Yeah, I would agree. If somebody took it, would you it, ever think of doing that to somebody? Because I couldn't do that. What? I couldn't just dump somebody's package in the driveway and leave. Well, I couldn't do that. You're not a delivery guy. I would bring it up under the covered area in front of the front door. I would knock on the door, ring the bell. Nobody answers. There's nothing I can do about it. I have to leave it there. I don't know. I've had delivery guys that are great. They, you know, yeah, some if, are. If yep. you see them, they'll be like, hey, where do you want me to bring it? I'll bring right, it in for you. Right. Some of, and some of them are like, no, I'm only paid to do this. Or our insurance only allows us to drop it on the curb. Who knows if that's true or not. But, you know, it just, you're never going to get great workers to do all jobs i don't know why it's your job because you get paid for that probably a delivery <clears throat> guy it might be a temporary job you're still getting paid to do it so do your job they probably feel like they're not getting paid enough to do well, the then job you quit and get another job and that's the that in, in in japan uh the the philosophy of work is all work is honorable and you're respected there for you working go. all I work is honorable. agree with that in america 
all work isn't honorable. Some is, is you know, yeah. the honorableness, if, that, if that's a word, is based on how much you get paid. Well, and Japan if, is a, like a community, yeah. and America is a country of individuals. Yeah. So there's a lot of... Yes, it's it's a different different philosophy. That's yeah, it's true. a whole different philosophy, your whole life, whole different that, philosophy, that's and that's that's why that and so people get angry. <coughs> They're not getting paid enough for doing some job that they they look at as being menial. Well, I mean, you, I, you also look at like Amazon, where uh, what's his face is going to be the first trillionaire if Jeff he is Bezos. not Bezos is already a trillionaire, and his workers aren't getting paid. You know, health insurance. They've got bad working conditions. It's like it kind of does feel like. This guy's a trillionaire, and I can't get. I insurance. asked about that, by the way. I said, "Why is Jeff Bezos such an ardent Democrat of a guy who used to work with him, actually?" <clears throat> and you know what he told me? Is it because he takes advantage of the postal system? Uh, and he also pays loves off illegal immigrants to work. Mm-hmm. He loves that. Oh well, yeah, because he doesn't have to pay him anything. I know. So he can become a trillionaire by feeding off of people who are desperate. That's how it's been for decades. But see, that's the God. whole thing. But, but people are now so much more aware of this, probably because yeah. of social media. I hope so. I mean, that, to me, how do you go to sleep at night with a trillion dollars in I your know. pocket when your people are, you know, not well, having a living wage? I don't get that. don't care. He's probably a functional sociopath. Yeah. You mean like a most presidents? <coughs> Uh-oh. Honestly, oh. I mean, oh, I would not doubt ah. that Oof. most presidents are pretty high on the psychopathy Oh, index. there's no question about that. You know, I think you look at it at like corporate, you look at it like corporate feudalism. <clears throat> yeah. You have, this, you have all these people working for them, and they kind of own the property. Own right. The property, which is the, the trademark. Right. They own that property, and all these people are working uh, at you know whatever wage. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, they're not starving, but they're not you know, they're not getting a wage that you'd think, man, a trillion dollars. You know, it doesn't take too many billion. Maybe you could knock off you know two billion of that, and you know you know set up a fund and just you know pay the people better. Yeah, I, well, I, I agree you, with you. So you set aside a hundred, two hundred billion dollars to do that. So what you'll, what you'll and see, you'd still have well, another billion. thing too is if if they gave them health care. Um, they wouldn't they be able to write that off as an expense on top of it? I don't really know how that works. I think oh, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, we didn't pay any taxes. Yeah, that's, that's, and that's, they don't pay taxes on top of it. He doesn't pay any taxes on it either. Exactly. So, I mean, something's <clears throat> going on. People so. get paid off. Things. That's what people are mad about. And maybe the truck driver just <clears throat> is sick of this shit. We live in a townhouse. I don't move over a little I'm bit just here. Saying. Oh, whoa. She, she came out of her chair, Tom. She came out I of her chair, crossed it, the I'm table just, at you. Well, every, every time I order something on Amazon, I hate myself a little more. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> so, I've, ordered, I've been I, ordering a lot fewer things on Amazon. I know. I try lately. to do Target because they're, yeah. you know. And Walmart. Walmart is. Walmart I don't do because I don't think Walmart pays their people all that well. I have bought one thing in my entire life from Walmart. Oh, wait. Well, as of our honeymoon, a couple things because Walmart is literally the only place within like 200 miles of where we went. But before that, I bought one thing from Walmart in my life, and that is cinnamon Pepsi. (laughs) Cinnamon Pepsi. Because they're the only ones that had it. Didn't you hate it? It was gross, yeah. Didn't Walmart like try to go up against Amazon, kind of? Was well, they, it, they tried. Wasn't yeah. that what yeah, was that called? Jets. What was that called? Jet? Was it Jet? I think it was. I think jets. it was Jet. But if you if you search for something on the internet, if it's a product on the internet, Walmart's um, Walmart's um, service 
will come up. Walmart's delivery service, virtual service will come up. Yep. Their it store will. comes up. So so they are entering into that and they're just trying to they are trying to compete with uh, mm-hmm. Amazon. But you know, it's gonna, the, the the unions are going to come in and they if they unionize uh, Amazon, boom. Problem solved. This could be very cool. We'll take a break coming right back on the other side of the break. Steve Stol- uh, Steve Stolier Raised eyebrows, my years inside Groucho's house. Nice. I'm going to love this, oh, I thought you were talking about Nancy Pelosi. That too, yeah. Oh. Hers is <laughs> about six feet now, so that'd be good. In any case, we'll be back. Steve Stolier with us next to family. Tom Bernard with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Tell me, Michael, we've been talking about North American Banking Company for a few years now. One thing we've discussed is that the bank is locally owned and operated. Well, how does that benefit your customer? Tommy, projects and opportunities for expansion come up quickly for business owners. A locally owned and managed bank like North American Banking Company means decisions can be made just as quickly. We know Minnesota. We live in the communities we serve. So we have experience and firsthand knowledge for what's happening in your life where you live. That means decisions are made here. We don't ship them off or pass the buck someplace out of state. Finally, getting our customers quick answers allows them to take decisive action, and that's how business gets done. Man, Michael, you're getting good at this. Practice makes perfect. Uh, Perfect. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself, and with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, you can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. <coughs> Excuse me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Our very special guest, Steve Stolier. The book is called Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's House. I have to warn you up front, Steve, you're uh-huh. being interviewed by a guy who's jealous Sad. Everything I could possibly be because, my God, being around Groucho, what a dream come true. That, you know, one of the best compliments I get uh, when people who read the book is, I hate you. Oh. <laughs> I, I would hate me, too, uh, if I met me and hadn't gone through that experience. Because <laughs> at the time, I was like the world's biggest Groucho fanatic, and all I ever wanted to do was shake his hand and thank him, Mm -hmm. and instead I got pulled into this remarkable atmosphere where I worked for him inside his house the last three years of his life, and was able to spend countless hours of quality time talking with him and meeting his friends and people he worked with in the 30s and 40s, and it just... uh, I never took any of it for granted. It never got uh, pedestrian for me. So 
uh, I, I accept your envy and jealous of the spirit in which it was given. <clears throat> Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. I am one of those guys. As a matter of fact, Andy was the one that uh, that called you on the uh, just a couple of minutes ago to put you on the air. Andy is our son. My wife is here uh, and family, close uh-huh. family, friend with us, Doctor Basham as well. We just watched uh, Laurel and Hardy's The Music Box and Way Out West. I'm sorry, Steve, but you cannot beat that comedy of the Groucho Marx, Laurel and Hardy era. You can't do it. No. And it's funny you mentioned Laurel and Hardy. Well, first of all, Groucho toured with them right. in 1942 on the Hollywood Victory Caravan, which was a bond-selling drive. They, they were on a big train crossing America, and uh, he liked... Laurel and Hardy personally, and then as an example of why people mistakenly think every every celebrity knows every other celebrity and everything about right. them, Groucho was once uh, pulled over for speeding, and the, the cop recognized him and said, let me ask you a question. Why aren't there more Laurel and Hardy movies on TV? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I guess insulting that he wasn't saying, why aren't there more Marx Brothers movies? But the idea that because he was Groucho Marx, he would know why there aren't more Laurel and Hardy movies. Sure, absolutely. But yes, the stuff holds up well, I think, after all these years, except uh, you run into the politically correct crowd that have sort of retroactive political correctness, where they say, why does Groucho have to ogle those attractive women oh. and uh, i don't know I, it's just it's inappropriate some of the that awful word inappropriate yes. but for those that can get past that and having black porters on trains and jewish pawnbrokers and all those uh ethnic caricatures that were just a staple of entertainment for a century uh i think the stuff stays remarkably fresh and in the case of the Marx Brothers, I think it was a really seamless blend of of really intelligent verbal comedy when you have people along the lines of George S. Kaufman and S. J. Perelman writing your material. And then just the physicality. There's, you know, Harpo's pantomime and things like uh wallpapering Esther Muir <laughs> into the wall with paste. You have this, you know, broad physical comedy. Uh, and then this really clever, clever stuff that separates them from, you know, the Three Stooges or the Ritz Brothers. Yeah. And I think a lot of it stays really fresh after all this time. Steve, I will tell you something. I was a little boy the first time I ever saw it. Margaret Dumont was in a lot of Marx Brothers films. Yeah. And she was at, uh, Groucho was a doctor in this particular feature. And uh, she says to Groucho, I'm not feeling all that well. And he goes, here, take this pill. She goes, why, that's a rather large pill. And he says, well, you're a rather large pill yourself. (laughs) (laughs) To this day, it makes me laugh. He was a veterinarian in a day at the races who's called in to save the sanatorium that's run by Margaret Dumont. And the bad guys are skeptical of his credentials. It's brilliant stuff. The stories. Is it true, Steve, yes. that Groucho and his brothers went to Jack Warner's office for a meeting? He wasn't there, so they started a fire in his office? Uh, Irving Thalberg. Oh, is that who it was? Irving yes. Thalberg, okay. Yeah, you know, the, the, the <laughs> K 
character of the Marx Brothers on screen is that they're irreverent and they poke fun at stuffiness and formality. And Thalberg was a very serious man, and he was he was very strict about money and time and all this stuff. But and the Marx Brothers just felt like. Uh, you know, we don't like to be kept waiting this long. We don't care who he is. We were big Broadway stars, and we were big stars at Paramount. So so uh, when he wasn't in his office, they went into his office and locked the door and roasted potatoes in his fireplace naked. <laughs> he finally showed up again, and you know, to his credit, he appreciated <laughs> the length they went to make their point and he didn't keep them waiting again <laughs> well but they see. would you know people don't do practical jokes like that anymore because i guess you know they end up being fired or sued or it's frowned upon or something but it's always wonderful hearing these stories that people would do these outlandish things to make a point and that was certainly true with the marx brothers Steve, I'm sure you get asked the same questions a lot but but because they're so important in everyone's life i, sure. I guess that how did Groucho get away with saying things on TV that nobody else would have gotten away with? I think because they weren't malevolent. Uh, he wasn't quite like Rickles, just, you know, tearing people apart, right. attacking their appearance and all that. Plus, you know, there was the smile and, and the, uh, the cigar and the wiggling eyebrows. And uh, I, I think they liked him going into it. They knew him from the film. Yeah. And so they appreciated it. Um, and it was never really, it was never mean-spirited. And it certainly was never uh, outrageous. I mean, if he said something that was at all questionable, it hit the cutting room floor before the, the thing aired. So you didn't really see anything heavy duty and people liked him which i think goes a long yeah. way mm-hmm. yeah steve it, it, did did it reach the air the woman with the i believe eight children when he referred to his cigar did that uh, make the air that you know it's an interesting story but and i'll try to tell briefly it did and it didn't happen it happened <laughs> how's that <clears throat> yes and no uh, it when in the first season when it was only on radio forty seven, he had a fa- uh, a woman on uh, Mrs. Story from Bakersfield, California. This was told to me by Bernie Smith, who was the show's head writer, okay. and actually kept a log of all of the contestants, all the secret words, and how much money they won over the twelve years the show ran, and. She said she had 12 children, and Groucho said, why do you have so many children? And she said, well, I believe it, it's our purpose, on uh, God's purpose on this earth is to have children, and I love my husband. And he said, well, I, take a, I like my, love my cigar, too, but I take it out of my mouth once in a while. <laughs> now, that got a blast of laughter from the studio yeah. audience. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, of course, it never aired on radio, uh... but word of it got out. So you get a lot of people who say, I'll never forget that. I remember sitting there watching that. Yep. It's like yep. you either have come to believe you remember it, or you've heard it so often. Mm-hmm. The same thing with uh, Dr. Rodale dying on the Dick Cavett show. Right. It never aired, but people say, I'm, oh, my God, I was sitting there 
And it's like, no, you're either lying <laughs> or you've come to believe it. So the same thing with the cigar thing. People will say it's apocryphal. And it's like, well, it's in the sense that it wasn't on television and didn't air, it's apocryphal. But it was uttered and remembered, but never saved in 1947. So that's the short answer to your question. Did they, I, it's wonderful. Did they ever break up or have big studio problems like it seems like everybody did back in those days or still do? But uh, Break up, you mean amongst themselves? Yeah, did anybody or, say, I'm going to be the star and go off and be... No, the, you know, it was interesting. They really, they didn't have ego problems that way. However, Chico, and that's the correct pronunciation of his name because he huh. chased huh. chicks. <laughs> and uh, a great many of them. Uh, <laughs> he, wonderful. He used to say to his wife, he used to say, honey, they're just mistaking me for Harpo because they look similar without their wigs. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, he, he and his wife were waiting for an elevator and the door opened and a woman came out and, and stuck her finger in Chico's cheek and said, hi, Chicky Wicky. <laughs> and after she left... <clears throat> Betty Marks said, uh, don't tell me she thought you were Harpo. <laughs> anyway, he was a compulsive womanizer and a compulsive gambler. Oh. I mean, it really was like an illness with him. He would he would throw away good cards in a game just to make it more interesting. He would bet someone $100 which of two raindrops would reach the bottom of a taxi cab window <laughs> first. So he, he would go through all his money and Harpo and, and Groucho would have to bail him out. So that was a frustration. It was sort of an ongoing problem with Chico, but there was never acrimony like, I'm sick of working with you or you, you right. putting <laughs> us through this. I think it was, I think when they did break up it was just like they got tired of doing the same thing over and over again um i know groucho said when he was doing a night in casablanca in 1946 he's already 55 or 56 and chico and groucho chico and harpo were older than him and he was uh, hanging from an airplane and he just thought there's got to be a better way to make a living <laughs> yes <coughs> Steve, so I, I have chico a question. and harpo went on uh they would tour um, Vegas and different clubs and do music and comedy. And then Groucho wisely got rid of the grease paint mustache and grew his own, and that's when the whole second career of You Bet Your Life took over. Mm. So it was never an acrimonious thing. It was just like facing the music. That makes total. Steve, do you, do you have a few more minutes? Uh, because our, our, our time is running to an end, but we'd love, oh. we'd love to hold on if we could. Sure. All right, we'll be back in like two minutes more with Steve Stolier. Is it pronounced Stolier? It is. I was ready to correct you, but you got it right, and I Yay. had nothing to say. A rare <laughs> I had nothing to, well, I have nothing to say. Uh, <clears throat> <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant. 
whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is the equal opportunity employer. I guess this one's got a bit of build-up. Yeah, apparently it's a build-up. Steve Stolier, our special guest, ladies and gentlemen. You know, Steve, we've uh, during the break there, we're sitting there talking about the Marx Brothers. We're talking about Laurel and Hardy. Then we start talking about the Three Stooges. I do hate you. I want you to know that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Again, I accept your hate in the spirit in which it is hurled <laughs> at me. With best me. possible way. What a great life. So this segment, if you have a few minutes, I'd like to hear about your experiences. And thank you so much for being patient with us about talking about because we're obviously huge fans, and it's very exciting to talk to anybody about Groucho Marx. Believe oh, me. it's my pleasure. Believe me, I've got, I got the whole spectrum of people's familiarity with the Marx Brothers. Uh, doing various radio shows and podcasts and so on. And initially, the publicist would just say, you're going to be on in, uh, in Cleveland and at 4.30 a.m. your time, and uh. I'd set my alarm and get up. And you never quite knew what the level of familiarity was. And I remember one guy, and I swear he was serious, he said, now let me ask you this, which was the brother that played the harp? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to say, take a wild guess. But I was civil and explained the, the names and all that. So uh, it's a pleasure to talk to someone that that uh, loves and appreciates the Marx Brothers in, in, as we now rocket well into the 21st century. Yeah. That was something else that... Uh, you know, Groucho was born in 1890, so he was Jeez. literally a Victorian. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she was, was on the throne for another 11 years. That's uh, they were all born in New York. But I came to appreciate Groucho not just because he was that man, the one with Margaret Dumont and Thelma mm-hmm. Todd and, and all that cavorting, but he was this man from 1890 whose first-hand memories went from before the Wright brothers to after the moon landing, which is just a staggering chunk of American history. I said to him once, uh, how far back do you remember? And he sought a moment, and he said, I guess the Spanish-American War. (laughs) Well... 98. Probably true. Even, as you might know, the Marx brothers started off as a singing act Mm -hmm. before they threw comedy into it, and Groucho actually was on the bill at the Metropolitan Opera House in New York, uh, same bill as Enrico Caruso, God. and it was to raise money to help the victims of the San Francisco earthquake of 1906. Wow. He was 16. So, and it, I mean, he was this living link to the 19th century, plus knowing so many immortals personally i mean as friends george gershwin and irving berlin and james thurber and wc fields and you know that that he you know we think of them in in black and white and two-dimensional but he knew them as people to hang out with so it was just you know i was 20 years old uh and just a huge marx fan and i got the job 
by starting a petition drive at UCLA where I was going to college to put pressure on Universal to re-release Animal Crackers, which was caught in a legal snag. And they didn't think there was any reason to spend money on an old black and white movie. But all my friends were Marx fanatics, and it was the great missing link in their canon. I mean, we now we just punch a button, and there you can see whatever you want from YouTube or streaming or something. But back right. then, no one had seen Animal Crackers in decades. And uh, Groucho came to UCLA to uh, help us with our... I said, Groucho, I am very happy to be meeting you after all this time. And he said, well, you should be. (laughs) (laughs) Love him. Aaron Fleming, who was this woman that was, like, in charge of his life at the time, said, this is Steve Stoliar. He's trying to get Animal Crackers re-released. And Groucho said, did you get it? And I said, not yet, but we're working on it. He said, well, you better or I'll fire you. (laughs) Well, I didn't even realize I was working for you. And he said, a little less than nothing. <laughs> a little less. So I, I like, had to keep pinching myself that I'm sitting there surrounded by students and the press, the cameras, uh, talking about this 1930 film of theirs and realizing that I'm sitting with my idol. And uh, Universal finally relented and put the film out and it broke the box office record at the UA Westwood that had been set by the French Connection several years earlier. So it was extremely gratifying to see a long line of people in Westwood waiting to see this old Marx Brothers movie. And then I was rewarded with this plum job of working in Groucho's house, handling his fan mail and correspondence and organizing all of his memorabilia to be later donated to the Smithsonian. So I was like ankle deep in in personal photos and vaudeville stuff and annotated scripts and letters and just an amazing, amazing experience to go through at that age. And meeting Bob Hope and Mae West and S.J. Perelman and Steve Allen and Jack Lemmon and Zeppo and Gump. Zeppo and I dated the same girl. (laughs) She was 19, I was 20, and he was 74. (laughs) So it was May, December of the following year. (laughs) Two December. I have that distinction of saying Zeppo Marx and I dated the same girl. I think it's magnificent. I, I, uh, I tell you, Steve, one of the great memories I have of being, I guess, probably in my teens, late teens, early 20s, is watching Groucho Marx wearing the same hat, go on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Those were some of the greatest TV moments ever. Right. Carson and also the Dick Cavett Show. Yeah, absolutely. It was yeah. wonderful. It's so great that they're available now, either on YouTube or, or DVD. Uh, again, as I say now, all you have to do is press a button and you could see them. Yep. But it really, yeah, it was wonderful. It was Groucho in his 70s, you know, without any real worries, comfortably set, just sitting there conversing in front of adoring audiences. Huge audience, as a matter of fact. So they were set. They didn't have big, you know, you hear big problems with people stealing their money or the studios well, didn't pay them. Harpo, Groucho and Harpo were okay. But Chico, Chico died in 61, 
and he really he went through everything as quickly as he got the money he went through oh, it the so gamble. the others were bailing him out mm-hmm. and Zeppo kind of picked up where Chico left off in terms oh. of gambling and womanizing uh, he he at one point was married to Barbara who divorced him for Frank Sinatra Oh, Barbara, yeah, the very famous Barbara. in Palm Springs where Zeppo and Barbara were living. So she dumped him for Sinatra. Well. Well, then he dumped her for, uh, what's her face? Uh, what the, who did he Sinatra did? Yeah, you know, who was he married to again? The young, much younger uh, woman. I don't. Oh, Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow, yeah. Earlier. That was years earlier, though, that's right. Steve Solier, ladies and gentlemen, S-T-O-L-I-A-R, Steve Solier. The book is called Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's Hearth uh, House. Groucho's House, not yeah. hearth. That, would have that was me. <laughs> that was me. He's in my heart. You're in my heart now, too, Steve. <laughs> okay. Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's House, Steve Stolier, S-T-O-L-I-A-R. You can get the book everywhere, particularly on Amazon, obviously. Steve, we got to have you back on again. We need to talk comedy more often. It was my pleasure. I'd be happy to ramble on about whatever you like, Tom. You're a, you're a good man. I don't hate you. I love you, Steve. I just want you to know I love oh, you, Tom. Now you've ruined it. You've spoiled <laughs> it. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, sir. Have a good Bye. day. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.